The Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Welcome to The Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me. Peter McPartland, Matt Jones and Paddy Boyland in the studio. Uh, we're all happy, I think. Matt's had a shave. He must be happy. He must be happy he's had a shave. It's been a long time since it's been properly clean shaved. I don't think I've ever seen your... F- that's not clean shave. That's clean no, shave. I was going to say. I had a shave this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that's unbelievable if you dad I shaved this morning. Uh, that's, I think that's actually the same. Like, it's like Richard Keyes. Remember that when he used to get after his hands waxed? Because hands yeah. of HD. Mm. Do you know what? Paddy won't even understand that. He won't <laughs> He won't even understand the time. when the, used to this thing called standard definition, and and um, and it was awful. I remember Richard Keyes, um, when HD came in, he actually had his hands shaved seriously because his, his, he was so hairy that he didn't want it showing up on HD. And that is a true story. <laughs> and... There you go. There's that obviously a similar situation going on here with my, <laughs> my shaving. Yeah, it's funny the other day. I know I'm going slightly off tangent here at the start of the show, but I was talking. Up, we were, I was talking to someone about this about a European Super League, and I mentioned uh, the words Kerry Packer, hmm. Matt Joe. You know no. Kerry. There you go. See, and I was like, did no one knew Kerry Packer was? And I was just like. Basically, basically, Kerry Packer was. Are we on here? Uh, <laughs> basically, Kerry Packer was a guy who um, tried to uh, take over cricket in the seventies. Okay, and led to a lot of changes, like one day cricket. Seventies? What do you think I am? I know, but, <laughs> but that's the point. You, you just think people have got educations, and you find out that people are just not as well educated as I am in the arena uh, sport. Uh, of course. But yeah. the point of it was is that he, he tried to take over cricket, and he did in a way, and it led to all kinds of mad changes, and that it's. The, the point was, I'm old. Uh, that's the point. That's the point. Um, let's move on. Okay. Everton, okay, before we get into uh, Monday night, it was fantastic second half, we all know. Uh, Jim White has done it again. Mm. He's broke some... He's got some breaking news. This time he's done it done it uh, on his radio show rather than on um, on his uh, 24-hour news show with his yellow tie. Uh, he said Farhad's been on again. <laughs> Farhad has said... Obviously, text him again or... or Bill has, I don't know. He said, I'm very encouraged by the strong start we have made to the season, which is our equal best since the start of the Premier League. Whilst there is a long season ahead, the players have adapted very well under the leadership of our new manager, Ronald Koeman, and we look forward to maintaining our momentum and a successful season. Um, the Jim White thing, do we buy into this? You know, should, should I think we've had this conversation before, mm. but should, um, should our, you know, our biggest shareholder be putting all this putting all this through Jim White. I I don't think so. And we we spoke about on the last show when when this came up about how Everton have got a big media department mm. and they should be putting this sort of thing out themselves. And I think whenever the the, the majority shareholder mm. does have something important to say, they should be doing it that way. Mm. But does that really need to be said? Does he really need to come out? I think and- that's the most important thing, isn't it, Paddy? Does he really need to be saying that after four games? Because you know. You know, I, I was on. I was on this morning with with Steve on the breakfast show, and you know, he was saying sort of the same things. I'm saying, well, no, let's calm down. It's been a good start, but look who we've played against on paper. Yeah. It's not great, is it? You, you, but it is a good start. Do we really want the owner coming out and, and making these noises after four games? No, not in this case. No, four games is a decent start, and I think we're about six points up on the equivalent mm. stage last season. So it is a promising start for Everton under Cumin and Mashiri. But I'd, I'm with Matt on this one. I don't think he needed to say it in the first place. If he is going to make statements, why not do it on the official website mm. instead of through Jim White? And finally, 
the last point is that was written up on somebody's iPhone on the notes section, so it looks a bit, it just all looks a bit amateurish for me. Yeah, we, we were talking beforehand about, I mean, Paddy was talking beforehand about how how we viewed this and how some people thought it's good that everything's being talked about in certain quarters mm. and there's discussions going on and it, it makes us more more profile and more professional in the media, but that doesn't look professional to me. Someone, you know, the, the, the Sissoko statement looked so amateurish and so mm. poor, written up on someone's phone on notes, and it's a similar sort of situation with this one, and I, I hope it's something that stops as the season's, season goes on, really. Well, I'm going to be slightly devil's advocate on this. I understand why it, it's important that he is, um, that he's sort of using Jim White and what, why, what, and what Jim White does. Obviously, Jim White's got access to not only... Well, he, he's basically the biggest anchor, I said anchor, on uh, Sky Sports. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say, I definitely said anchor. Uh, on Sky Sports News, and they, that a lot comes with that. And now he's on, you know, he's on a national radio station now, uh, and a lot comes with that as well. So he grabs people's attention. So obviously, I mean, let's be honest, we have moaned in years by at Everton not, not getting involved with the media and being very insular. And to 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 a degree, they still are very insular. I think, but saying that, I think a lot of football clubs are insular. A lot of football clubs try and control their own media now through their own um, TV channels or whatever mm. it may be. So from that point of view, I can understand why he's doing it. I just don't understand the frequency. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I don't. I don't. We haven't done anything. You know, I can understand the transfer market by sending one. You know, keeping the fears down of the fans. But who's he talking to? Because if he's talking to the fans, go through the club mm. if you're talking to other people then you're showing off <laughs> i i think it's great that, to have a, a link between the the club and the fans and to try and establish those bonds and, and get trust going but it's i don't think the, the the most powerful person at the football club should be doing that i think if you, you should be looking at someone further down the chain obviously when alan myers was with the football club and there was a lot of feel good amongst the mm. fan base then about how things were perceived because mm. he was interacting with them and, and that was a good dynamic that was going on but for the owners to be coming out and commenting on anything, I think you made the comparison on, on the previous show, Ped, about David Sullivan mm. and West Ham. It, it, it reeks of that a little yeah. bit to me. And I, I just, if he's got something important to say at important times of the season, then, then great. And, and, you know, come out and set fans' minds at ease if it, it's going to be something that people are concerned mm. about. But I think this sort of thing where it's just day to day, it's been a good start, keeping emotions, uh, keeping the, the, the positive feel, good, good factor for the football club. I don't think the majority shareholders should be coming out and saying that. We've seen a lot more of this now, Pad. We've seen, um, you've got the likes of the Villa chairman, he's got a Twitter <laughs> account, and he's, I mean, I think on deadline day he tweeted a picture of a player who hadn't signed, and, you know, we all know the furore when John Stones was included in the Man City Champions League. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all knew the transfer was going going through, but there is that there is that gentleman's sort of side of football where you don't, you don't talk about other teams' players mm-hmm. unless you're Harry Redknapp or, or his dog. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there is that respect and you just think sometimes... I mean, what would you what would you think if Mishiri had a, had, a, had, a, had a Twitter account, let's say? OK, he, he wasn't doing the tweets. He's not okay. got the phone in his pocket. He's got someone to do them. Because, I mean, look at... We've got Ronald Koeman, who's got a Twitter account. Mm. Got Jan Klutenberg. He's been on a nice bike ride today, haven't has you? Has he? Yeah, oh, you're on, a, on a mountain that is bike a, ride. That's amazing. <laughs> Great thing to do on your day but off. But I think yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. I honestly think... You know, you've, there's... Um, Jan Klutenberg, I, I don't have him butchering his name. I've got, no one's told me, but uh, <laughs> and he's doing the pictures with like Big Dunk on the coach, mm. and you're just thinking that's basta. That's but I mean, the, 
it's boss at the moment. We know what it's. We know what. The, we know. Well, what this is it. I'd advise them against that, to be honest, because if, oh, if you, things oh, don't you, pear shaped, we know what's going to happen. You're a millennial. You're supposed to go with them on this. <laughs> you're you're like the kind. You're like Paddy. You're the kind of fella who's front of the queue when a new fighting fun comes out. <laughs> you're you're there. You're right at the front. So don't be giving me any of that. I've seen him camp out overnight in the one in Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> He's got his sleeping bag now because this one's been announced. <laughs> uh, last night, this fella sitting up waiting for the FIFA 17 demo he was while waiting for the uh, iOS 10 all at the same time oh, that's it's, all, it's all about Pro Evo mate come on I've, listen, I've played the new Pro Evo is it good that's amazing we're not here to advertise Pro Evo but if anyone from Konami is listening I don't know how Pro Evo would work on the radio yeah. but if they want to send me a copy I'm, I'm sure we could do that. some kind of like live commentary on if the only, game if only some commentary, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if only there was some kind of YouTube channel out there where, where we could put all this all across <laughs> um, if only if only we, but um so you're not you're not in favor of ronald Koeman having a having a twitter account i think in certain ways it's good we like transparency don't we between the club and and the fans but then i don't know if it goes pear-shaped he's gonna get it in the neck isn't he let's let's be honest if roberto had had one last season could you imagine what that would have what that would have been that, like that parody one of martin actually became quite similar to what he was like in real life towards the end wasn't it anyway so it was kind I like having it, but I can't, if you verify, can't you? Yeah, you can block you can all that off. Oh, out, this, is, you, yeah. this is some people don't know. If you're verified, you don't have to see anybody's coming back mm. at you. So when they got when people say, "Oh, imagine when, if we get beat or something," you don't have to see any of that. Yeah. And plus, it's it's probably you know is is um, is is. PA Eileen or something doing it all for him <laughs> I've seen him he's favourited a few tweets from Southampton fans that haven't he called him a snake and stuff in the past, <laughs> so. so obviously he must have a little scroll through and have a chuckle to himself oh, I'd love Machete to get on Twitter that would just be that'd be a new world wouldn't it yeah but the the, the Villa chairman some of the things he comes no, out with he's no. quoting chairman Mao and, and, <laughs> and, and he, he's, he's made some really interesting comments about Enna Valencia the, the other week as well he'd, he'd mentioned something about how Villa fans are free to get in contact with him about new signs they're better than scouts, which is just ridiculous anyway. But then he, he mentioned as well something about how Enna Valencia is not an ideal target because he's seen him play two or three times and he pulled the plug personally. So <laughs> Now he's at Everton, yeah. There you go. There you me. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm, Got a I'm, bit off topic there, haven't you? Well, no, it's it, it part. I think it's, we're sticking sort of... Mm. I mean, it is all part of the, the new media, isn't it? And, you, you know, the club, are, the club are quite good at keep, keeping people in touch of what's going on and, and um, uh, all the different things that go along with that. I've been very progressive this season with doing things like Facebook Live after the match and stuff like that. But I think it's just it's just interesting that the, that Farad Mashiri chooses to go through someone like Jim White and not and not go through the club. I mean, he's very quiet when it comes to club stuff. It's just, you know, it, it just seems weird that he do, he's had what one one interview, is it? One or two interviews with the official official. Um, side of things and, and yeah the only one I can remember is the one after the, the Chelsea game was it yeah, the, that the, was, the water manager yeah that was, comment, so, yeah, yeah. was so slightly overshadowed by Bill Kenway saying water manager to and he looked somebody. really really awkward as well like yeah, he barely like, said a thing so he's, he knew he shuns the he line no, I think he just knew <laughs> I mean I think, I think one of the, the most attractive things about him coming in or in the early months of when Mashiri took over was the fact that he was so quiet and he seemed quite content to be this man in the background and overseeing things from afar and I would like that that to continue I wouldn't want to see statements every month about after every win or after every sign and so yeah go, go back to the mysterious figure in the background I, I quite prefer that to be honest yeah I think I think that would be best for everyone but but I understand I just do not want to get into a situation where we are we have got like 
the West Ham owner's son telling everybody who's signed. You know what I mean? Things like that. I don't want to get into any of that. I just think that's ri- I think that's ridiculous. It's well, like it's like an ITK, well, yeah, because ni- your dad owns the club. His niece has already tweeted as she's saying, "Don't don't ask me any more football questions." Oh yeah, on yeah. Twitter, it's yeah, poor so. niece. Yeah, or you're blocked with yeah, big warning yeah. signs on Twitter. <laughs> so I won't be able to see her doing all the fitness regimes or going out in Monte Carlo. I'd be yeah. devastated. Devoured. I'd be devastated if that happened. Right, let's move on because uh, <laughs> I think we've lost the part of the audience there. <laughs> It's an we won on Monday. We haven't mentioned it yet. I know, but that's that. We're getting into that. We've been keeping people waiting. It's an old trick. Um, so Monday <laughs> night, Monday night, obviously one change. James Coleman comes into the side. Um, fantastic second half, and like Ronald Koeman said himself, you know that 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 first half was 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 pretty poor. Hmm. Um, you know we can't we can't talk about the second half without talking about the first half. It was weird, wasn't it? Because nothing just seemed to click first half and. You know, Ross Barkley will will get a lot of the blame for that. And we'll you know we'll talk about him a bit later on. But not one was clicking, and and it was so frustrating to watch. Yeah, it, it wasn't. You can get games like that, can't you? After you've had the international breaks and you, you've been away for two weeks, perhaps those those relationships that have been built up over the, the first three weeks of the season may have been dulled a little bit by it all. But I think that there were just times where they just seemed to take a little bit too long on the ball and, and we got away from the things we were doing well in the, the first three games in terms of making fast decisions, getting the ball forward quickly and putting the, un- the opposition under under pressure in the final fair. We just didn't seem to do any of that. But I was I was encouraged by the fact that even though we, we didn't play well and we didn't look like scoring, we didn't look like conceding either. Mm-hmm. The, the only obvious chance of something created in that first period was, was down to luck more than anything with, with Defoe and that, that ricochet. So... Those times last season where we had games like that, and you were always on edge, wondering, are we gonna, are we gonna be, uh, mm. are we gonna concede the goal here or nothing? But I never really got that sense in the first half, so I was always quite encouraged that we could go on and uh, improve in the second period as well. Yeah, I mean, even in the first half when things weren't clicking in an attacking sense, the defense did look secure. Mm. I think Ashley Williams alongside Jaggy Elkin now means that we're going to keep far more clean sheets. And all that was lacking was just somebody up there to hold the ball up. I don't think Rom had a great first half anyway. Mm. He lost a bit of a physical battle with Lamine Kone, I, I thought at least. And Ross Barkley was, was having a bit of a shock and nothing was sticking up there. So the, temp, the tempo wasn't right. There were loads of things to work on and clearly whatever Ronald Koeman said at half-time, that together with the substitutions ended up making a massive difference to the, to the outcome of the game. Yeah, I mean, one of the things you mentioned there, Matt, is, is the defence and the platform they helped create. Because last, like you said last season, that's the type of game where you're struggling you you, you know it's a, they were let's be honest they were rusty more than anything else they were rusty going you know that first half obviously all being away on international duty and they all look pretty just off it just by just by small margins you know just five yard passes not mm. going falling over the ball um players not making runs where people were passing the ball but but knowing that defense is there and and how 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 much they just want to defend and not conceding like a silly goal. Okay, you mentioned the default chance. He was offside, really, wasn't he? Mm. You know, he's offside. There's not, there's nothing you can do about that when you're a defender because you've defend, you've done everything you can. You've, you've made the player offside. You know, it's in, it's in the hands of uh, the linesman or the, or the striker. And luckily enough, default was off, off, uh, off form there. But that, that platform of having that defence because even the fullbacks were quite happy to just sort of stick back and do mm. their jobs. And with Gareth Barry sitting in front, and with obviously. With Garner as well, 
it never looked like we were gonna we were gonna concede really all night. No, and I think one of the the hallmarks hallmarks of Cummins teams when he was at Southampton was, Southampton was that that back six they just kind of stay intact and stay as, as a solid shape, and the front four tended to have freedom to to roam and go where they wanted and, and go and affect the game in that sense. So I think you're starting to see that that come through a lot more with Everton as well. And even though Coleman played, you'd expect him to have more of a threat going forward than Holgate. He was quite reserved, wasn't he? he was tucked mm. in, staying close to Jack Yelker and, and not really given the wide plays for Sunderland much of a sniff but it was interesting I thought what, what Luke Harker said after the game as well about how he felt as though the defence had done their job in the first half and were, mm. were doing the job in the game it was up to the attackers then to go and take responsibility and win the match Well that's a good point Paddy because I think last season you look at someone like Ron he's scoring all the goals and nothing it didn't mean anything okay yeah. semi-final of an FA Cup and semi-final of, of the League Cup it didn't mean anything and you can understand why I know we're all attached to the club but you can understand why he was so frustrated with it, with things at the club because as far as he was concerned he was doing the job he was meant to do and nobody else you know the defence hmm. saying he wasn't doing the job the goalkeeper wasn't doing the job the manager wasn't doing the job so you can see from his point of view why he was so frustrated yeah I thought it was telling after the game actually Leighton Baines was interviewed and they asked what's changed really at the start of the season for Everton and Leighton had spoken quite candidly about uh, a back to basics approach and basically what happened is Ronald Koeman's come in he's looked at things and he's thought we need a very solid platform from which to build and if Everton are solid at the back let's face it with the likes of Lukaku and Barkley Dale Afeu Morales Balassi now as well they're going to win far more many games than they than they lose so I mean it's paying dividends at the moment isn't it yeah, right. We spoke far too much about Jim White and uh, Twitter and Mr. Machiri, <laughs> so we've, we've run over for part one. So coming up in part two, obviously we'll be talking about that second half, that substitution, and obviously Ross Barkley. This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Welcome back to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk with me, Pete McPartland. Matt Jones and Paddy Boyland in the studio. Uh, first part of the show, we were uh, discussing lots of things, including uh, Kerry Packer. The Villa chairman. And the revolution of cricket. Yeah, um, let's get back into the game. Uh, first off, as we said, we looked quite slack. We looked off in We looked solid. Something had to, something happened, had to happen, you know, half-time. Well, certainly as fans, we thought it had to happen. And it did happen. The manager made the substitution he really had to make. Ross Barkley uh, left the pitch. Gerard who came on. Slight change in how how we played. Kevin Morales came a little bit central, and you know it played it paid dividends. Yeah, it, it worked the street, didn't it? And I think um, I think making the pitch bigger as well really helped us out in that sense because in the first half it was as though Morales was always coming inside trying to get trying to link up with Barkley in that sort of position, and we didn't really have much width, but. Delafeu came on and I thought he took up some really intelligent positions on that right flank, getting out to getting out to the touchline, but also he was drifting in field sometimes as well, finding those pockets and, and exposing that, that left channel between Van Arnold and, and Gilla Bodgy. So I think he made a really big difference and then you've always got Balassi who, who like who hugs the touchline, doesn't he? And he was he was a much, much bigger threat on, on the left hand side as well. And I thought Morales' his influence as well, while it might not have been mm. quite as obvious as, as the other two. I think he was um, he was really keen getting closer to Lukaku and, and giving the, the Sunderland defence something to occupy. So, so that front four did did tend to work and uh, quite a treat. And I'd quite like to see Morales playing that position a lot more. I think when when he has been deployed there for Everton in the past, he's he's looked pretty good and he does tend to link up with Lukaku quite well. So, so maybe that's something that Akuma uh, will look at going forward. 
Yeah, definitely. I would I would like to see a Morales Lukaku partnership at the weekend against Middlesbrough. First and foremost because it, it paid off in that second half and the the guys that played in the second half deserve to start again. But the other point is I thought once Barkley was substituted at half time, the ball started moving forward much mm. quicker. We looked like a genuine bona fide counter attacking team. And that's exactly the way you want to play away from home. We were transitioning really quickly. And it, we looked, I, th- I thought we scored three. We looked like we could have scored six or seven at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku's had, you know, he's had a good five, six, seven chances there. And he? he's got a hat trick, but on another day, he could have got more. He said that himself. He looked, you know, he looked hungry, he looked fitter. He benefited from the two goals he scored from Belgium just to give him that little bit of confidence. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who he's scoring for. For him, as long as he is scored, that's where the confidence is coming from. Um, the goal itself, I, I, you know, mentioned Jerry there. I mean, he's won a 50 50 in the middle of the park, which yeah. I thought was quite funny. You know, they were saying on, on the TV, you know, it was the first 50 50 both players had to pull out of. I'd say he didn't, <laughs> I'd say he didn't lose it rather than won yeah, it. Yeah, but it was really important that he, it was really important that he didn't lose it. Because yeah. they, you know, it was their corner. Um, if he loses that, they they're still on the attack. Mm-hmm. But we we uh, we flood forward. I mean, <laughs> Delafeu being Delafeu runs sixty yards and then play, tries to play the hardest pass out of a possible yeah. four. But um, Garner picks the ball up, and we're seeing you know another side of his game. He's flooding forward. He's got that energy. He's got that pace, and puts a great ball into the box for Lukaku to do what he should have done in the first half when he had the chance from Balassi's cross to to um, to make it 1-0. Yeah, and I think, if you look talking about the influence of Morales beforehand, watching watching the highlights back again on the first goal, on the second goal, he's in the box close and he, and he occupies another defender and gives Lukaku that space. And if you think back to the first half when, when Barkley was getting on the ball and losing it, he was he was outside the penalty area, he was a little bit too mm-hmm. deep and, and not really in those areas where uh, he needs to be getting into the box and, and occupying defenders. So I think Morales is... Kind of nose for goals and willingness to get into those positions really, really paid dividends in in, in those two goals. Because he wasn't great in the first half, Morales either. Mm, he, no. You know, he, I mean, I think the the only difference between Mor- Morales and Barkley in the first half was, was Barkley got them got more of the ball to lose it. Mm. If that makes sense, I mean, Morales every time he got it, he lost it as well. But he, he didn't have as much of the ball as Ross because obviously Ross is in the centre of the park. But um, he looks. I like him playing inside. He's played inside a few times, especially with Lukaku. And Lukaku's benefits from that, you know, having someone around them who knows you know how he works and how to find space as well yeah he's he, sorry Paddy he's more willing to get beyond them isn't he he's more willing to, to make that run off Lukaku and, and stretch the defence that way whereas Ross tends to want to drop off a little bit deeper doesn't he and, and pick passes around the edge of the box and I think it's something that we seen a little bit last season when, when Kone came into the team on the left flank and although we were really poor defensively having, <laughs> having another body close yeah. to Lukaku yeah. really brought the best out of him and it, it, it took away the attention from him and I think I think Rom's always at his best when he gets the ball and he can isolate defenders or when there's crosses coming into the box and he can isolate a defender. He can get smothered out of a game easily otherwise. So I think Morales playing close to him and then obviously Balassi and Delafeu up that end of the pitch as well really brought the best out of him. I think the interesting thing for me is if you look at it, it's a reprisal of the partnership they would have for Belgium and it's mm-hmm. good to have those combinations so close together. What has happened, is, as you've both said, was Barkley was dropping deep, losing the ball and it was slowing down the play. We looked slow and mm-hmm. ponderous, didn't we? Everything sped up in the second half Morales coming inside allowed us to stretch the pitch at the other at the other end and uh, we looked so much better for it mm. and I, I hope that Koeman perseveres with that because it's an interesting idea but it was great because you know the second goal really you know it really typified I think what Koeman why Koeman brought Balassi in as well mm. I mean we should, again so with that cross in the first half you know 
he picks the ball up, he does a little trick, he beats the fullback easily, and then still whips in a great ball. And it's not a ball that is, it's got precision on it. It's just in the right area, and that's that's what old wingers used to do. That's what you know. That's that's what they got paid for. They put the ball in an area, and then it was up to the centre forward to be in that. Well, in the old days, you had two centre forwards. Again, I'm going before Paddy's time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had two centre forwards in the box. You know, one to go near post and one to go back post. Mm. That's what you used to always have, and. Some, you know, and then you'd have your winger coming in as well and having another play in the box, and that's what you see it paid for. There's been, a, I think, a lot of that's been lost with this one centre forward mm. game. The winger's got to put it right on his head, but Blassie is like an old centre forward. He, he uses power, pace, and gets into the box, and he's given Lukaku a really good, he- a really easy header. But it's Lukaku's got to be there, and that's that's. I think that's where the confidence, where you know, you can see the difference. Yeah, I think you look at his, his Everton career so far. He's, he's probably created about three or four clear-cut chances already in the games he's played. Where easily on another day, mm. he could have had himself four assists there. And I was really impressed with him last night because even though in the, in the first half things weren't really coming off for him in terms of his, his, his running, his, obviously his crossing, it didn't, didn't put the chance away in the first half. Lukaku he could have easily got frustrated, mm. but he was still getting the ball, still committing defenders, and. He, what I didn't realise about him when he played for Crystal Palace is quite how strong and powerful he is. Yeah. The, amount, the amount of time he knocked the opposition player off the ball and, and, and went past him, and he even had a good shot on target, didn't he? <laughs> in in did. the second half as well, which yeah, is which is did. not something new for him. So, so yeah, I think I think his performance is really encouraging. I, I I always like players like him who, when they make errors and when they miss chances or when they get the ball taken off them, they, they keep going and they keep the confidence high and have that relentless streak about them. And on the left hand side, I thought he was a major major threat for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a different ki- kind of winger from what we had yeah. at the club already. If you look at De La Faye and Morales, they, they're slight and they look to beat players on the outside. Balassi does do that, but there's there's a more but there's a bit like a physical side to him, if you like. He yeah. takes players on, he, he barges them off yeah. the ball, he cuts inside and he goes both ways. And I thought yeah. it must have been a nightmare for that fullback the other the other evening to, to mark him because you're thinking if I show him inside he's capable of putting an effort in on goal but he also went on the outside and his weaker foot and that cross to the back post was was on his left foot and look what look what happened there. So the striking up a really interesting partnership him and Rom. Matt said already there's a, there's three or four chances now that he's created mm-hmm. for, for Lukaku already. So it's 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 an, a good partnership and I mean, it's early. I mean, obviously, it's early days, and don't want to go overboard about this. Mm. But I, I think as well that he's he's enjoying the challenge of playing for a big club, mm. and and you know, <laughs> you look at you look at him and Ashley Williams, and I think they're both enjoying that challenge of playing for big for a big club. You know, from where they've come from. I think this sometimes get for other fans. This is get it gets lost in the whole Premier League thing. You know, where people go, well, it's not a step up from Palace, or, from Palace, and it's not a step up from Swansea. It does though, doesn't it? This gets yeah, lost yeah. in the whole Premier Premier League. You know, it's just stupid. But it is. It's a big. It's a big. Uh, it's a big step up, and I think I think that's the difference. You know, at Crystal Palace, you probably can go five or six games without doing anything and not not have any issues but that's not going to happen it's not going to happen under Ronald Koeman certainly so I think yeah. that I think that's a I think that's a a big a big bonus yeah you've seen it haven't you already he's, he's not he's not scared to hook people is he or regardless of who it is or, mm. or what's going on in the game if he thinks something needs changing he'll do it so I think making those substitutions and, and being ruthless is sent out to message to the rest of the players as well and, and he seems to be responding to it what I liked as well after the second goal was it was the, it was how we controlled the game as well. It was how we started getting the ball and just using it and moving it round and 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 just being comfortable, you yeah. know. And it was, but it was it was fast, 
it, you know, I know we've been used to the last few years about a passing game, but this was this was passing. But you always felt like there was a purpose, and that third goal—it's very easy to lose the track of it. But it's a brilliant little passing move, and it ends up getting a lovely ball by Morales into Lukaku. Um, and it's funny because I think if it had been nil nil when Lukaku got that ball, I think he would have. I think he would have hit it at the goalkeeper. But having all that confidence and having the weight off his shoulders, you know, he's never going to miss that um, to get his hat trick. No, well, he wasn't, and once you get into that kind of goal-scoring form, you are more likely to put them away. Um, the thing for me was, again, we spoke a lot last season about game management. That was the key phrase, wasn't it, when we went 1-2 up and we were losing these leads with regularity. Now, I, I don't know what it is about the partnership between Garner and Barry, but they're controlling the tempo of play. We had the Olay stuff, didn't we, from the fans, Taunton and Moyes, and fair enough, that's just, that's just a bit of a joke. But also, even at 2-0... We were throwing our way in front of shots. Ashley Williams yeah. and Jags are, are chucking themselves to, to make sure we preserve that clean sheet. And that's so yeah. pleasing to see, isn't well, it, That's really? their job, isn't it? We've yeah. talked about before about people doing their job. It's their job not to concede. I, I think the fitness of the team as well has helped this a lot because you look at games last season, how badly we wilted late on. And in a game like that where it's, you know, it's a little bit back and forth, it's quite physical, you, you've took a few knocks. Everton tended to, to wilt really badly late mm. on. And I think what I've been curious about in the last three games since the, since the Tottenham one is the West Brom game. We came on really strong late in that match. Had a lot of chances to win it late on. Obviously against Stoke as well, we had chances to, to double our lead. And again at, at, on uh, Monday, just kept on going forward. And, and for the first time in a long time, I thought, we look a superior mm. side in terms of fitness to, to these in, in a Premier League game. And another thing as well is the, the, the physicality of the team as well it's someone yeah. like Williams in there having Garner in there mm. getting about the pitch knocking people about but last year we've already touched upon even Lukaku you're pinning defenders yeah. down and, and, and assert himself physically it just gives you that aura and that intimidation factor I thought what was great second half is as well though players were doing their jobs No one, it wasn't anyone you know last season John Stones was expected to come out with the ball and do that and do that. Now the back, centre backs are centre backs, and Gareth Barry does that job. And the job Gareth Barry was expected to do now, and and James McCarthy was doing, Garner does that now on his own. Mm. So it's it, you know the fullbacks don't have to get forward as much because they know they've got good wingers in front of them who'll do that job for them, and wingers will get back as well. So we're starting to find we're a more solid unit because we're not. It's not like. It's not new era, this new era sort of football that Martinez was trying to adapt us to. It's 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 genuine sort of old fashioned. The player in his position does his own job, <laughs> which is mad, isn't it? It's a mad thing. Yeah. Um, let's let's quickly move on to obviously Ross Barkley. Very, he, he was really disappointing, you know, that his performance. But I'm not going to go overboard about it because I don't think there's any need to. He was just really poor. We've seen him. We've seen him have these performances before. I think obviously before the game, certainly in the studio, the Sky Studio, it was built up a little bit. But they showed, the, you know, they showed the graphic um, compared him at his age with with La- Frank Lampard and. Um, Gerard um, Lampard 21 goals 10 assists Gerard 13 goals 17 assists Barkley 17 goals 11 assists so only in combined he's only two behind Gerard and three behind Lampard with less appearances as well isn't yeah less yeah. well he's, he's nearly nearly 25 appearances behind Lampard and he's nine appearances um, behind behind Gerard so that that sort of indicates doesn't it that he still is very young when you when you look at those players and what they ended up doing in their careers. Um, he is still really young, and and they obviously hadn't fa- hadn't quite found their consistency either. And he he, he just hasn't found his. And mm. I just think I think we're all far too quick to write him off 
and we don't see the things, the positive things he does in games. We just we just see the negative things. Yeah, well, we, we've talked about him, haven't we, for, for a long time, about how, how we're all massive fans of Ross Barkley. And it, it can happen, everyone can go out and have a little bit of a mare. But I, I think at the moment, while we've talked about players adapting and evolving to the way that Coombe wants to play, I feel as though he's still kind of stuck in between. He, mm. he's, he's a player who, who likes to take time on the ball to make decisions and make his mind up, whereas the way Coombe wants to play and the, the fast transitions that the Paddy mentioned before, he's not really got that into his into his, uh, into his his mind. So yeah, I, I think he can do it. I think he showed in his, his first breakthrough season that he's someone who can, can get the ball, move yeah. it quickly through the phases and make quick decisions. But I feel as though he's just kind of stuck a little bit in, in the way mm. we were playing last season, still and stuck in that sort of mindset. But I've got no doubt it'll come through and make a, a big impact this season. I've always thought that he's one of those players that's better actually just playing off instinct really instead of being coached into what to do on the pitch. He, he does things better off the cuff. Um, and what what for me is the main issue, he's still lacking that consistency, let, let's be honest. He, he's had a fairly decent start to this season, but the, the game on Monday night was a shocker. And he, he has those games occasionally. He, he needed to be hooked. And thankfully, Ronald Koeman did it at just the right time. Because I think last season under Martinez, that, that substitution would have happened on 70, 75 minutes. And I think I think it's I think it's more more important for him as a player that the manager is ruthless with him rather than pretending everything's okay. Mm. Because I think what what frustrates people is they've seen that performance too many times from Ross, and therefore they think, well, he hasn't learned. Well, he's not going to learn if the person who's teaching him isn't telling him he's doing something wrong. Mm. And I think that's what Ronald Koeman did on Monday. He said, and that's not acceptable. And you made a great point before, Paddy, about he slows everything down. And that's the problem. I think in games like that, he has to just let himself get into the game. And because I think what happens is he had a bad start, and then everything has to be amazing. Then he's yeah. trying to do everything amazing. He's trying to get, either he's trying to get his own confidence back. Or he's trying to get, feels like he has to get the supporters' confidence back. So everything's got to be amazing. He's trying to impress everyone. Whereas what he needs to do is just start doing the simple things and doing them right. Because that's how he'll get back in the game, mm-hmm. just by five yard passes. Yeah, and. Instinct is a big thing, part of his game because when he when he starts thinking about things, that's when you just think, "No, Ross, no, <laughs> stop trying to think about everything." You know, when he's trying to he's trying to sl- he slows it down. He's trying to thread balls through the eye of the needle, or it's that a pass is too short. We, I mean, how many times do we see that? I think he's just got to get. I think that comes with confidence, though, doesn't it? I think he is a confidence player. I think that's a big thing. But he's he's got to, like you're saying, he's got to get that level of of consistency. Just normal football, and he, to be honest. Last season, the beginning of the season, I think he started doing that. Just having a level... Of, don't have to be brilliant every week. Don't have to do something spectacular. Your natural game will, will as a good player, will allow... You know, you'll play well and the team will play. But just the other night, he was just... Everything was just... He was too slow and then, then tried to sort of make things right. And that was even worse. Do you think he was trying too hard to impress after the snub from Allardyce in yeah, England? Do you think maybe that was playing on his mind? We, we've spoken about him, his mentality. Mm. And it was quite clear last season, that at half-time in that semi-final in the Cup, him and Jagielka were having a conversation about yeah. the booze from Everton yeah. fans. And I think Jagielka knew that that really... It was affecting him as a player. It wasn't aimed at him, but he thought yeah. it was. I think. I think. I can only say what I what I see when I'm watching the game. But I think he's. He seems quite um, sensitive about about yeah. a lot of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you're right. Spot on, Paddy. With that that one, he seems very sensitive, and 
he, need, <laughs> he needs to just man up a bit. But yeah. I don't mean that in a, I don't mean that in a, like in a horrible way. I just mean he needs to be more professional and and just let just let everything just you know water water off a duck's back. He just mm. stop taking everything to ha- maybe maybe he's too much of a fan at times. You know we've mm. seen his reaction when he went off in the derby mm. last season at Anfield. He was absolutely devastated. You could tell that he was he was destroyed by it. But he needs to get a little bit of a cold side in him because I think that's what all top players have. They have a they have a coldness mm. where they detract themselves, you know, from. And we don't like it as fans. We see it as like, oh, why aren't they all blues? And why is he saying he wants to play for a Champions League team? But I think you have to have that. You have to have that a little bit. You know, you have. You can't always be a fan. You've got to play for the team and understand what that means. So there is times you've got to be cold and just. Go a lot, you know. Be professional. Well, it's, it's interesting, is it? Because after the West Brom game, we were talking about him. I think we used the the word he was a cog in the midfield, mm. and he was just doing simple things. And he was he was part of the midfield setup. It wasn't just Ross Barkley. He was yeah. part of that that thing. And I think I think doing that more often. And as you mentioned there, you're having a bad game. Just just drop back into midfield a little deeper. Get on the ball a little bit more. Get a feel for it. Complete some five ten yard passes, and and you go from there. Then you get you get your confidence up again. So I think he has still got a lot, a lot of learning to do, but it's. You know, it's going to come a time and a point where I think mm. they mentioned it in Monday Night Football as well, where he's got to kick on yeah. now on himself. He becomes, and, otherwise, and ultimately, become, the onus on him is on himself to do that, not anybody else. Because otherwise, he becomes Jack Robwell. Exactly. Yeah. You know, he does, doesn't he? Becomes Jack Robwell. Otherwise, where you know, even he's probably scored more goals than Jack Robwell. He probably has already. Year. But you become absolutely anonymous, like yeah. Jack Robwell was the other day, and you just think how much we we expected from that lad. Anyway, anyway, we've gone massively over again in part two. So we're going to be at the shorter part three where we'll be talking about this Saturday's fixture against Middlesbrough. This is the Blue Room. One hour, everything Everton. Radio City Talk. Welcome back to the Blue Room on Radio City Talk. It is the final part of the show. And obviously, boys, Middlesbrough at the weekend. It's a it's a fantastic chance to, ex- to ex- extend this uh, fine start of the season. Um... I expect three points, Matt. That's yeah, the way I am now. I do as well. Yeah, yeah. Four, four <laughs> wins in a row. Yeah, and, and we're pretty quite quietly. We've actually had quite a good uh, record at home recently. I think we've gone five games now without uh, being beat there. And you think uh, how bad it was at times yeah. last season. So it's uh, it'll be good to keep that feel good factor up and and um, and keep it going. But I, I hope that they don't take the the foot off the gas for this one because. Mm-hmm. I do look at Borough and I think sometimes, well, this season they've put in some good performances and I think they do look a little bit like a banana skin sort of team. So mm. we are, we do need to keep our wits about us. Do need to keep sharp at the back and, and stay focused there. Yeah, we can't take we can't can't take Borough lightly. I, th- I think the recruitment over the summer was very very good. I look at the signing of Negredo up front. Mm. It gives them a, a goal scoring dimension. He holds up play. He's he's a success in the Premier League. He has been before. So that's a very canny astute signing for me. He'll be a threat. But then at, at the other end of the pitch, you've got Victor Valdez in goal, and there's massive experience there. They, mm. We should still win the game, and I think we should still win it comfortably. But if we take Borough lightly, then we are in for a shock. I think, I think I've watched them a few times this season. I think the the team that uh, I, I worry a little bit that they might be going away from the identity that, that, that got them up into the Premier League. Do you really? Does that keep you up at night? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, I was up thinking about it last night. But you know, look looking at them, I think. Um, I think the a lot of perimeter teams tend to have this problem where they mm. they worry about diverting too much from what they got up and they try and make some more you know illustrious signings and I think they they found that they played in the on a really strong solid mm. defence and nicking goals and the the players they brought in are a little bit fly away I think at times they were a, they were a good footballing side last season though so I think you know if they can retain that that's mm. what the manager wants I suppose it's 
it, you know, it's catch twenty two, isn't it? You come up when you haven't made any signings, and everyone moans, and mm. you're not unprepared. I mean, look at look at Burnley, and and you know, everyone's talking about them being coming up for the second time and not buying any players, and then you buy too many players, and people say, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna fritter it all away, all the well, money. They made and, made ten signings, didn't they, in the summer? So. I think I think that might be a little bit too much, but as I say, they've had quite a good start. Haven't they? They've won won one, drawn two, and lost one. So I think they'll be content with that, and if they can keep that up going for the rest of the season, I think I think they'll be made up. Yeah, they've got um, Adam Forshaw as well in the side, of haven't course, they? Which the obviously yeah. coming, it's nice to see a blue come back up through the ranks. Which you know we we all moan when when we lose players, you know, uh, but sometimes sometimes that's the path some of them have to take. I mean. Some of them end up World Cup winners and <laughs> <laughs> and nearly winning Premier League, but yeah. it's nice to see. Uh, I suppose that gives hope to other t- other other players. You know, um, obviously we've just seen Leeds, Brian Leeds, yeah, yeah, we've seen Leeds and released, and people moan, but it, there's not a clear path for them to come. You know, to get through. Then in football, you've got to let players develop, yeah. and it's, sometimes it's away from the club. I suppose it's how they do that, and whether they have buyback clauses and all this kind of thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, they've gotten the grade. Though I think you know he he when he started at City, he was absolutely on fire, wasn't he? Awesome, and then man. you know, and then and then the uh, the leaves changed colour, and <laughs> he done the classic Mediterranean disappearing act. I think he had a back injury, didn't he? To be fair to him, I think he was he, he had a really bad injury over Christmas mm. and never really got around to it. And I think when he came back into the team, Aguero was injured, and he, they, those two struck up a great partnership, didn't they? At one point, but. He's a hard worker. He's he's a real handful, and he, it's going to be a, a big test for uh, for Williams and Jackie Elka. But I think it's the kind of one they'll relish. I think I think those two and, and the way they play the game and the physicality of them would prefer going up against someone like Negredo than to perhaps someone like Defoe on Monday night, who's a little bit nippier, a little bit sharper in those sorts of areas. Mm. So, but I I expect us to, to dominate possession. And looking at the the game at the weekend, they seem to struggle quite a lot with the physicality of Benteke up front and and the pace and power of Townsend and uh, Zahar on the wing. So. <laughs> Sounds hopefully oh, that sounds good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if we can get if Lukaku's on it again, Balassi can get at them in, in those sorts of positions. Then I don't see any reason why we can't uh, win this one comfortably. Big decisions to be made though, isn't a part of regarding the starting lineup. I mean, obviously, there's only one change than the, on Monday night, which surprised me actually. Uh, Holgate not playing and Coleman coming in, but it's an interesting one with 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 Ross because I know we spoke about him already, but. You know, do you leave him out? Do you make the change? Did Delafeu do enough when he came on? You know, because I think you if you make that change, you, do, will I mean how much damage could that do to Ross Barkley with these notes on Saturday? Well, we've already spoken about his confidence and his fragile mentality when he's when he's playing matches for Everton. It could do him some damage, but I think you have to go again with what what started in the second half. They they won the game for us. We scored three goals. We looked like scoring. Three or four more, didn't we? So, I mean, I, I would go exactly the same again. Balassi on the left, Jerry on the right, Kevin Morales as close to Lukaku as, as possible, as, as Matt's already said. Rom works better when he's got somebody close to him, taking up, making runs off and, and, and taking up a bit of space. So, so unfortunately, that does mean Ross Barkley would be left out for me. In a game like this as well, if you're chasing it or if it's nil-nil later on, I think... They're going to be sitting deep, and it could be the kind of game where he could come off the bench and make an impact. I think previously he's, he's not been great coming off the bench, mm. Barkley. But no, he's never if, been. if you're if you're playing against a team that's just going to sit there, and you've got someone who's who's on the ball making those sorts of clever passes around the edge of the, the eighteen yard box, then that he could be a major asset. But I completely agree with Paddy. I don't think that the way that that eleven played in the second half and they came out of the blocks firing, I, I think it'd be really harsh to, to make a change. But is but is it the fact that it's a home game and it's it's more of a game where it's you know I know. I know we had a lot of the ball on Monday nights anyway, and 
that. But we did play sort of a lot more counter-attacking in the second half. Do you think the fact that it's we're at home and we will be expected to dictate the game that having having essentially three wingers on the pitch and a centre forward, do you think that will go you know go against what you expect from playing home because? You can't, you, you know. Middlesbrough are not necessarily going to come out, come out and and, uh, and be an attacking force against us. And I can understand the flip side of that. We're saying, well, if we've got more attackers, the better. But yeah. you want more control of the ball, and you just expect with Ross Barkley or can Kevin Morales do that job? I think I think it'll be a combination of, of Morales doing it. I think we've seen signs on Monday night that the addresser Garnagay can do it as well in terms of getting the ball, carrying it forward through phases and making some really clever passes around the box. There were a few into the Lukaku's feet, wasn't there? There was one in the first half and then <coughs> excuse me, a, a couple in the second half where he f- played a really clever pass into him and he, he pinned the defender down. Yeah, so I think did. if you can share the responsibility between them two of, of doing that Ross Barkley role still have Morales getting beyond Lukaku and having those instincts in the box and, and maintain that whiff with the two wide plays we've got then I think uh, I think it could definitely work The interesting thing with Idrissa Gay of course is it allows uh, Gareth Barry more of a of a, 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 a chance a bit of a freedom if you like to, to get on the ball and dictate play himself so he, he does that from slightly deeper I think as a result we're seeing Gareth Barry performing even better than he did at times last season when he was still very very good and he'll dictate play we might have Morales just off, off Lukaku and Barkley's there as a brilliant option to bring off the bench if Borough is still keeping it tight after 60-70 minutes isn't he? Mm, yeah I mean is that I mean is that the manager's responsibility that you know going back to Ross to look after his, you know, his confidence. Does that should that come into it, or should the sole focus be on the team and getting the three points? Because I mean, the, half of me says, you know, he's got it. He's got to make sure Ross is, you know, not. I'm trying to think of the way. It's right. hard to cater yeah, one player. I know, I know, it? but you just think, it, 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 you know, you don't want sort of a, a disharmony spread. And I'm not saying it would spread just from mm. that, but you know, or, or are we, or are we, am I being far too sort of? Sensitive myself, sentimental. Yeah, yeah. and no, not, I'm not sentimental as much. I'm just thinking he is a he is a good player. He's one of our best players. I'm just thinking, you know, you've got to you've got to look after your players. And but do you think? Do you think? Obviously, you mentioned this army there. I'm not. I don't. I'm not, I'm not saying it'll spread either. No. But what about someone like Delafey who's came on in the second half and, and changed the game? Would, would it not be harsh on him mm. to to drop him on the bench? Would he not be upset about being left out the team when? He's had a, a really good case there to, to be played at the weekend, and I think we've always said, and one of the, the problems with the Martinez era was players who came in, did well, didn't yeah. keep the shirt. So I'd like to see the, the same precedent set in that sense. I thought it was harsh on Mason Holgate. If we're going back to Monday night's yeah. game, I, I would have kept him in the team. If we're looking at yeah. meritocracy and yeah. football, he, he deserved to, to play for me. So is he, is he a full member of the Everton family yet, though? <laughs> not he? like James McCarthy. No, he's not. not like <laughs> <laughs> but he probably they probably even got a private jet for James McCarthy oh, for his yeah. operation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, again, no, yeah. it's an interesting one, isn't it? Though, because I think I actually think a bit of tough love would do Ross Barkley mm. um, a lot of good. Listen, personally. He's, had, he's had the molly coddle, hasn't he, yeah. last season with Martinez. He's been built up, and you know, Cooman obviously trusts him and, and has a lot of um, faith in him. He gave him the captain's armband, didn't he, against Jerville? So, that mm. in itself is, is a, sh- a big show of faith in the player. But if you're not playing well enough, all lads are doing better. You need to be out the team. But I suppose, as well, we've got a game coming up Tuesday night, haven't we, in the League Cup? Of course, uh, yeah. Knowledge, knowledge and, and everyone's just going, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we've got, so, I, I suppose you've got it. I mean, I'm not saying you have to, you have to think about that. But let's remember the last League Cup game. Ross Barkley was the captain, you know, for that game. So there's there's two games, you know, in in in, um, in four days, isn't it? So and okay, the Premier League 
is more important. But if you win the game, you roll into that one, and there will obviously be changes. There's people like Alan Lennon and Foons Mare, and that would that I suppose no matter what Ross plays on Saturday, and I know I'm saying Ross's name a lot, but there's that chance Tuesday, isn't it, to get that confidence back for not only him if he has to, but but the other members of the squad as well. Or do we want to take that one just as seriously and? Start as many first team plays as we can. Just win the law. Just go and win everything. Win everything. League, FA Cup, League Cup, all of it. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves a bit there, aren't we? No, but I mean, you know, is, is it though? I mean, would you if we if we if we were to start Saturday, the team that starts Saturday, you know, would you be looking for that team to start on Tuesday night, or or would you want those players to come in, the likes of Aaron Lennon, and Foons Mare and and and. Davies like to be, a, feel part of it. I'd like a few little changes, yeah. Not nothing too wholesale. I think he showed that with the, the team against Jova, wasn't it? It was quite strong. There was quite a lot of first team players in there, so I think it's something he wants to take seriously. But if Ross was left out on Saturday, if he goes into that game on Tuesday with something to prove, you'd hope then he'd put in a better performance and, and look to win his place back. So it's all good, it's all positive at the moment. But uh, you would like to see Ross Barkley just up in his levels a little bit to go with the rest of the team. Yeah, you'd have to say that he's in the right hands with Ronald Koeman in terms of his progression anyway. I think a bit of tough love in this case instead of the Molly Coll- Molly Codlin under Martinez might just be beneficial for him. It makes sure that he's consistent on a more regular basis and in the end that might be what makes the difference for Ross Barkley in the future. So, I mean, Saturday, predictions, what are we looking at, do you think? I think we'll score an early goal and control the game and eventually win 2-0. Yeah, 2-1. Two nil, two one, something like that. Maybe two nil. I'll go for it as well. What do you reckon? Per? I'm, I'm gonna go. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'll go for a two nil. I'm looking for a nice, comfortable one. Nice. Keep the clean sheet going. I think. As well. I think the clean sheet's really important. I mean, it's not as important as scoring goals, but <laughs> hopefully, Ron getting a you know a couple more goals, him, him getting into a bit of a run. I think it's important that he's he is in the run because you know it's all right team. Well, if you know Kevin Malas gets one or or Delafay gets one, but I think it's important that. Um, Romelu Lukaku does hit a good vein of form because we've got games coming up now where you know we've got this game and then we've got Bournemouth and then we've got Crystal Palace then it's the international break and then we play our first serious sort of top four contender um, in Manchester City and I think it's important that we build up that head of steam because I'm I'm not going to go overboard about the start but I think it's great that we but we're playing teams that we should be beating. Um, we are expected to beat and, and at the moment we have been beaten and if we can continue that that'll bring the momentum for when the tougher game starts that's it just, just one final thing on that. people were saying this to me about you've only beat rubbish teams so far mm. I remember that season when, when Liverpool nearly won the title and I was thinking that early on they, they had a really good run of games just thinking oh, they've not beat anybody mm. yet but the confidence it built up yeah. and for the rest of the season going into those big games was massive so win these games and you go into games like City United Liverpool further down the line and you're thinking we can win these mm. Patty just gives a nod. That's <laughs> totally agree. He's on his, there you I- go. He's on his iPhone. Say. He's going to get back in the queue. Yeah. He's on his iPhone. He's on note messaging Jim White. <laughs> <laughs> they, I can't top that. I can't top that. Gents, Paddy, Matt, thanks for being here. Pleasure. And, and thanks for shaving, Matt. It's a, it's a big part of the show now. <laughs> um, and thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week, hopefully very happy after a couple of wins. We'll see you then. Good night. <laughs>